As Brother Garza was was talking, I was I was just eating it up. Uh, I've told several people, uh, even just since Wednesday night, that that this you can tell that Brother Garza has done a lot of work, and Brother, it's an established church. It's a it's a church that's been taught. It's a church that loves the preaching and loves teaching and loves worship. And you can't ask for a better church than that. As much as I miss being home and I've made a commitment for next weekend, and as soon as I get that commitment taken care of, there's be no grass growing underneath my feet or my tires, and I'm headed back home. I'll be at the church that God put me over. I'll leave with his help. But, uh, but this morning, I, as Brother Garza was preaching, as he was teaching, uh, it just lined up right with what God had me this morning. I had lined up this morning. It was just like a hand right inside of a glove. So God's reaching. God's reaching. As much as many nuggets, as, as awesome nuggets, valuable nuggets, as Brother Garza put out, I, every time he said something, you know, there's two types of preaching that makes you want to preach. It's good preaching and Another kind of preaching, whatever that kind is. And he did some good preaching this morning. He did preach. I just there's a couple of things I just want to say. And that that the reason one of the reasons why I believe God loves me, and I believe that y'all sitting here is there's one I was going to sir, my dad always moved. He moved, he moved. Y'all can be seated if y'all will. My dad, I went, we moved like 32 times as I was a kid. We just moved and we moved and we moved. And a lot of times we went to the same church, but we just moved to another house. And uh, I don't know, don't, maybe no one out here is like this. Maybe you don't, maybe everybody is, is grew up real solid and stable. My dad was a backslider for 34 years. Two years before he died of cancer, God filled him with the Holy Ghost he talked in tongues for like two hours, just standing there rejoicing in the Lord. And so God brought him back. But my dad moved a lot, and I was in different different youth groups. And there came a time to where one of the youth groups I was in, the young people, a lot of them was leaving. And that's why I love young people so much. You'll hear me mention young people. They were, they were leaving, and there came a time to where it was my time. It was my time. It was my time to make the decision or it was my time to leave or stay. And I went up to the doorpost and I put my ear up against the doorpost and I allowed God to take that all. And he took it and he drilled a hole in my ear. And then for the rest of my life, God looks down and he sees people who have not made that decision yet. And God looks and I've got a hole in my ear from the all that, that God put through my ear. I'm a, I'm a servant of love. I'm a slave of love. And I know that when God looks down at me, he sees someone that's serving him because he wants to serve him. I want to serve my God. My mother was a backslider. She still is a backslider. And one time, it doesn't happen anymore, but one time my mother tried to get my baby girl to go to the movies. Tried to get her to go to the movies. And and there's two, there's way, multiple ways a dad can handle that. And I said, well, I'm going to handle it the way mom will never, ever try to do that again in her life. And so she was going to visit my mom. Uh, and so we met at a Mexican restaurant. And I said, mom, before we move, before y'all before leave, let's, I'm going to pray for y'all. And my mother had two of her sisters at that point that had died of cancer. 
And I said, let's all pray. I said, God, y'all don't think I'm mean for saying this, but I shut that, I slammed that door shut. I said, God, I said, if anybody tries to get my kids to do anything I preach against, would you let them die of cancer? Yeah, she's my mom and I love her. But I slammed that door shut and I took that deadbolt and I locked it shut. It ain't happening on my watch. It ain't happening on my watch. You know, the Bible says I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God. And that's not just someone who just comes in as a nobody. The doorkeeper in your house of God is someone who watches and makes sure someone doesn't come in that door that ain't supposed to be there. That's the doorkeeper in your house of God. That's the doorkeeper in your temple. So you better want to be a doorkeeper in the house of God. Amen? Oh, I was loving what Brother Garza was saying this morning. And I loved it because there was not a vicious or mean bone towards people in his body this morning. He loved y'all tremendously. And thank God for that. You thank God for a man who will stand up and put his shoulders back. Walk on the back of his heels and not his tiptoes. Now, I love my God. Thank you, Brother Garza, for your huge generosity to me and my family. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Garza. And thank you, Elder Wheeler, for being a friend to me. Thank you. I admire Brother Wheeler for, man, I've admired him for a very long time. And I was so glad to get to spend some time with Brother Wheeler, Elder. Uh, he's an awesome person in our lives. I want to go right into the Word of God tonight, if you will. Um, when I, when I get into the meat of the message, you will understand that God had his hand on this service this morning. You will know that. If you'll turn to the book of 2 Samuel chapter 13. 2 Samuel chapter 13. Thank God for my wife. Thank God for my wife. I love her tremendously. She's a huge, huge step. Sometimes I think at home the way she works with the young people, sometimes I... Just feel like maybe I'm helping her. So she loves our young people. She works with her young people. Thank God for my my daughter that's with me. I, I love hearing her sing and play, but this morning I want to go right into the Word of God. I can tell you, y'all got a great pastor's wife here too. Just it, everything just works great. Everything's just a lot of times pastors, we, you know, as someone said it was at Brother Watts um, yesterday. And Brother, Brother Diaro said, he said that I'm glad my pastor, he said he preached, preached the word of God and he preached it. He says, but my pa but Sister White just made sure I understood what he said. <laughs> yeah, just Brother White preached it, but she just made sure that I understood what was said. So don't, don't, don't ever, don't ever begrudge uh, Sister Garza of just making sure you understood what Brother Garza said. Not that Brother Garza needs help, but uh, he didn't need help this morning. But uh, 2 Samuel chapter 13, we'll read verses 19 through 21. I do, get, I do still get nervous when I'm standing behind the pulpit. been pastoring many, many years, but I'm so nervous because I know that God's word is so important to your life. And I want to make sure that I bring out God's word in a way that is meant to be brought out. 2 Samuel chapter 13, verses 19 through 21. It says, And Tamar put ashes on her head 
and rent her garment of divers colors that was on her and laid her hand on her head and went on crying. And Absalom, her brother, said unto her, Hath Amnon thy brother been with thee? But hold now thy peace, my sister. He is thy brother. Regard not this thing. So Tamar remained desolate in her brother Absalom's house. So I'll say that. So Tamar remained desolate in her brother's house. But when King David heard all these things, he was very wroth. When King David heard all these things, he was very wroth. One more set of scriptures, the book of Romans, chapter 8. Romans, the eighth chapter. I'm going to read verses one and two. Romans, the eighth chapter, verses one and two. Verse one There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Someone say, No condemnation. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death. I'm going to preach for a little while. I would love, Brother Elder Wheeler, if you would say a prayer, uh, prayer this, this morning. Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to take my sermon title from, from the first set of scriptures that we read this morning. I'm going to preach languishing in Absalom's house. Languishing in Absalom's house. When this message came to me, I have not, I have not fulfilled what I know I'm going to do. But when it message came to me, I was reading and the just that portion of scripture jumped out at me, which it does does often, and I knew exactly what God wanted me to preach. I knew exactly what I was going to preach, and one day I'm going to read a. I'm going to write a short book. I'm not a book writer. Uh, I am not a book writer, but I'm going to write a short book on this message, languishing. In Absalom's house. Hopefully this morning that there's someone here that I can help this morning. You're languishing in Absalom's house. You're allowing the things that you've been victimized by. You're allowing the problems that you've had. You've allowed things that's been beyond your control. You've allowed them to affect your life. You've allowed them to take you down from where that God wants you at. He wants you victorious. He wants you living for him. He wants you living powerfully for him. He wants you, he doesn't want you being a victim anymore. And when, as, as the pastor was preaching this morning, and I consider it preaching, that's exactly what it was doing. My mind was going to this message that I knew that God, 
God had ordained this morning for me to preach this message this morning. Uh, God doesn't want victims. He doesn't want victims in his house. His, he does not want his bride with victims in his house. He, he'll take all the ones that used to be victims. He'll take everyone that used to be a victim and he brings them in and he gives them hope. He gives them power. He gives them understanding that they're not that way anymore. It don't matter what you were when you came to church. It doesn't matter what you were before you started living for God. But I'm telling you this morning, you're no longer a victim. These things that's happened to you that was beyond your control. The things that you could not help and these things that happened to you. We had a, when we were pastoring in Llano, Texas, we had a beautiful little girl that would visit our church. She came to, she came to youth. Uh, she came to a youth, basically youth, uh, youth services at night. Very seldom did she ever come to a church service. She didn't have a mom that was in church. She didn't have a dad that was in church. The little girl, it wasn't too many years later, she started dressing like a boy. And when we, I, I, I'm, I'm going to say this as nice as I can because it was not that girl's fault. Her uncle had molested her. And she figured if she could be a boy that he wouldn't molest her anymore. And so she turned, church, I'm telling you, there's kids out there and there's some people and there's even adults that's maybe sitting here tonight that's had things happen to you in your past. And the devil wants to change you and the devil wants to make you someone that you're not. You're, 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 not, you're not a victim this morning. You have been blood bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. You have been bought by his blood. You don't have to be that victim anymore. Her poor little life was so messed up. That she wanted to be a boy and she had a boyfriend. And so she told her boyfriend that, that, uh, that she was a boy anymore. And so he broke up with her because he, he said he wasn't ready to date a gay guy. Yeah, it, 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 it does. And it it, it kind of it, it, it sounds funny on the offset. But he said, No, I'm not ready to date a gay guy. So I'm, I'm, I can't date you anymore twisted and turned but they're strangers and they're outcast and they need a church body that will stand up and say what you're doing is not right we've got the solution to that problem we've got an antidote for the for the venom of satan in this place we have the venom so i'm getting back to my message this morning languishing in absence house that is the precise place where satan wants to keep you and now for those of you who are not a victim this morning, for those of you who have, who have never felt the pangs, the, the, the fangs of Satan, who's never felt the tentacles of Satan, never felt his, the claws of Satan on your life, I, the, the, probably, the, probably the majority of people has felt that in their life. Oh, you ought to be thankful, so thankful that your life was not, did not live that way. And you ought to be so grateful to God that you never went through that. But there's enough people here this morning, and there's enough people that Satan's trying to pull back into that entire to Absalom's house. You broke free from Absalom's house and, and you got freedom from Absalom's house but every time you turn around, Satan's waiting to pull you back into Absalom's house and he's waiting to pull you back in into that life of destruction. He wants you there. He wants to keep you in Absalom's house. It's a place of mental torment. It's a place of utter hopelessness. It's a place of complete hopelessness. And the doors for this place is only opened for the one who has been victimized. 
It's such a strange place, and, and I'm so glad that I grew up, and I'm glad I, I did not have that in my past, but I feel for those who have had that in their past. I came from a family that I knew my dad would, my dad had guns, and my dad would just soon shoot someone is what he would let anybody put their hands on me. And I grew up knowing that, and I grew up knowing that, and I feel the same way. There was a, there was a um, radio station in Houston, KTRH, and and a commercial came on, and, and this doorbell rang, and this young man said, I'm here to pick up your daughter, sir. And he says, come here. That man said, hey, I want to show you something. I got something I want to show you. And I don't even remember. I think it was an F-150, whatever it was. He says, I got me a new truck. And so he says, I want you to come look at it. And so he took the young man that there to pick up his daughter, and he says, look at my truck. And he started talking all about the truck. He says, and, and look at the bed. The bed has, is big enough to take a box about your size anywhere I want to take it. What time will you have my daughter home tonight? Nine o'clock, sir. Nine o'clock, sir. My God has, his blood is big enough. And my God is big enough, my God's blood is strong enough to take that victim that, that you used to be and take that, that, that person that you used to be and he's willing to take it and wash it away. And he's willing to carry that away from you where you no longer have to see that when you look in the mirror. You don't have to look at a victim anymore. And you don't have to look at the, the power of Satan in your life anymore. I, I don't know why. I don't know why this message came to me this morning. But I want to let you know this morning that God wants to let you loose from Absalom's house. God wants to turn that key and open that door and allow you loose from Absalom's house. I'm sorry if I'm going too fast for the interpreter back there. I'm going to try to slow down a little bit. But God bless everyone that's here and, and wants to be better in life and wants their life to be no longer victimized. But you can live victorious through the blood of Jesus Christ. Will someone raise their hand this morning and thank God that you're victorious through the name of Jesus Christ. Only the victims choose to dwell in Absalom's house. Tamar would have never, ever went to her brother Absalom's house. Absalom stands for rebellion. Absalom stands for rebellion. And there is so that the connection between a victim and rebellion sometimes is so close. It's almost, it's so close to where you can say, say grace and mercy. And, and a lot of times they, they look like twin sisters sometimes, but they're, but they're, they're, they're different. Their grace and mercy is different, but sometimes they can be confused one for the other, but they're not at all the same grace and mercy. But victim and, and rebellion a lot of times go hand in hand. Those who have been victimized will turn to rebellion. Don't ever turn to rebellion in the house of God. We never read of Tamar escaping this mind frame of being desolate. We don't read that. You know, there's a lot of times in the Word of God, we, it talks about they've been free. We, we, realize that, we realize that the apostles was free at midnight because they sang and gave praises to God. They got their freedom. But Tamar never got her freedom. She, as far as I know, she died in Absalom's house. I, I don't read. I, I've looked through the Word of God. I don't read where Absalom ever got that robe back that she had. I don't read that. But you're serving a God today. You're serving a God this morning. 
That that robe that was of innocence that was taken away from you. My God wants to put that robe back on you this morning. And my God wants to clothe you with his robe one more time. He's made that robe especially for you. And you may have got lost your robe of innocence at, at one time or another in your life. But God wants to put that robe back on you. A robe that says I'm a child of the king. A robe says that I'm victorious. That robe that says I can be a winner only through Jesus Christ. It don't start with your mind. It don't start with your heart. It starts with the blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, I feel God this morning. I feel God so strong in this place. But Tamar never escaped. It's your choice this morning. It's your choice this morning. I... Uh, it's your choice. If, if, if this don't fit you this morning, just put it in your back pocket. You're going to need it tomorrow. You, you, you never, the devil never stops fighting you. The never, devil never stops bringing those things to your mind that you committed when you were younger before you got. And the sad part, some of us has committed things since we've had the Holy Ghost that, we, that, are, that, just, that just plagues our mind at times however small or however big it may be. But God's arm is never too short to reach for you. God's arm is never too short to reach for you. I was reading the book of Isaiah. I love chapter 9. I love Isaiah 9 and 6. But I thought, well, I'm just going to finish reading the chapter. I have time after time and after time. It says, God says, my arm's not too short. My arm's not too short. So this morning, just keep that in your mind, that God's arm is not too short to reach for you. He reached down from where you were at, and he brought you into this house that there's victory, that there's victory. We don't read of Tamar escaping. The windows have this bars on them, and yes, we need the bars to keep the enemy out. We need the bars to keep the enemy out, but don't put the bars up to keep God out of your life. Don't put the bars up to keep God out of your life. The doors have been bolted and padlocked to keep you in. But I have a God that went down, took, he's got the keys of death, hell, and the grave in your life. The landlines have been cut and cell phones have been confiscated. The walls have been soundproof. And many times, no one knows you're missing. No one even knows you're missing. You, you, you walk around like a normal person, but yet on the inside, you're missing. And I want to let you know this morning, you're missing so much when you allow Satan to keep you as that victim. You're missing so much. You're missing the joy because you sit in the church service time after time after time and time after time and God's reaching for you to give you that freedom and he's reaching for you to give you that liberty and he's reaching for you to give you that hope but yet you're sitting there and you say, no one knows I'm missing. Life keeps, it's kind of like when you come home from a funeral and you've lost a loved one and people look around and they say, life is just is normal. For everybody but me, life is normal. But yet, no one knows you're missing. Many times you felt, you felt, you felt hurts that no one knows. 
But God knows that's the reason why God gave me this message to preach. I preached this at our church, so it's not new, but God gave me this morning. And I'm a new without a shadow of doubt. This is what God wanted. And you're sitting there and God's reaching for you. And he don't want you to be the victim no more. He wants you to be victorious in Jesus Christ, my Lord and my Savior. The victims are walking freely physically. Physically, you come to church and sit down. You go to work and you do your job. You come home and you sit, people around you. I don't know if this is what y'all will be here preaching this morning. I, I, I'm more usually a little bit more fired up than this. <laughs> but my heart's heavy this morning. And you're walking around freely physical. I look at people on the streets and I, I think they've got a story. I went to a we was at a went to a house, a man that lived two blocks down from us. And you 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 could you could walk by his house and you could smell him. It, he I know a realtor, I, I do home inspections and and the realtor was he had to go into a nursing home, so she had to listing his home. And she asked him, she said, How long has it been since you've had a bath? He says, 25 years. 25 years. He shuffled to the service station that was two, three blocks from his house, getting his case of beer, two or three cases of cigarettes, and shuffled back home and sat on his porch. I, I don't know what type of victim he was. I invited him to church, told him I'd pick him up and bring him to church. I, I, I don't know. I, did, I didn't get it. I asked him to talk to him. Didn't get a hole open. But he, he was an engineer at one time. He was an engineer at one time. He's walking freely. Most people who find themselves in Absalom House enters because of shame and regret. Come on, Tamar. Just, just come to my house. Just come to my house. Just come to my house, Tamar, and I'll, I'll take care of you. I'll, I'll, make, I'll make sure your brother, can't, your brother can't get to you, but nobody else can either. Just, just come to my house, Tamar. It's what Absalom was telling her. So she languished in Absalom's house. Worst part of it is that the captive is not to blame for the pains which drive them there. Tamar was not to blame. I'm saying Tamar was not to blame. All Tamar did was what something that her brother her brother said, I'm, 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 oh, I'm, I'm feeling so bad, and I need you to cook me something. I, the, all she did was what she, 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 she there, was no, there, there was no thought in her mind that her life was fixing to be changed that day. There was no thought in her mind that her life was fixing to be utterly be changed forever to where it would be take the most beautiful thing that she had and stripped from her. Since we all know, we know exactly most people, if you don't know what happened, go read in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 13 and you can read up. But it was a, it was a horrible, horrible existence that she had from then on. This lady who of all accounts was beautiful, or at least a fair maiden to look at. She was innocent. She was pure. She was the perfect example of a king's daughter. The perfect example of a king's daughter. Everything that she had, everything it was, she owed it to her king. This morning, everything that you've got, everything that God has given you, you owe it because you are a child of the king. My king has no victims that serve him. 
My king has people that used to be victims. And God wants to bring you out. And God wants to let you overcome that, that, that mindset and that, that problem you've had in your mind that you've carried for years. And you've carried it for year after year after year. You've carried that. And you may not, it may not be anything that happened like Tamar. It may have been something else that you regret that you've done or someone has done to you. But my God wants to free you from that. At the beginning of the story, we only know the names of those involved. Ammon was a weak-minded young man who had an unhealthy desire for his sister. His mind was weak. And that's what I say that for those who have victimized people, their minds are weak. Their minds are weak. Their minds are weak. That's the reason why they victimize. That, that's why they victimize. Because they want to tear someone down to bring them down to their level. And so they victimize. And they victimize. And they victimize. Like a rabid dog. I know what we did to rabid dogs growing up. But I love dogs. <laughs> I like rabid dogs. And so there was no, he had a weak mind. And, and so he had a friend. Amnon had a friend. He was evil. He was an enabler. Oh, Lord. Is someone grabbing a hold of what I'm saying this morning? If you know someone that's in Tamar's shoes, you better, you better pray for that person every day of your life. And if you're in Tamar's shoes, I'm letting you know this morning. You're in Absalom's house, but you don't have to be there anymore. You don't have to be there anymore. You can put that behind you. You can put those regrets, even though they're not your fault. You can put those regrets behind you and say that I'm a child of the king. He's got a new robe for me. I lost this old robe. I lost the robe I had, but my God's got a new robe for me. He's got a robe of innocence. He's got a robe of victory for me. And I don't have to live in Absalom's house anymore. I don't have to dwell in Absalom's house anymore. Oh, I've got victory for me tonight. Amnon and his friend devised a plan to strip Tamar of her innocence. When reading this passage, a statement jumped out to me. And that statement was, I love Tamar. From, from Amnon's lips. I love Tamar, my brother's sister. He knew what he had in mind was so evil, he could not even say what was true. He could not face what was true. No, Amnon, she's not your brother's sister. She's your sister. She's not your brother's sister, Amnon. She's your, she's your sister. His desire was so shameful that he could not even bear to speak of it in truthful terms. He had to disguise what his mind was. I'm not even going to get into what this, the topsy-turviness of this world. I'm not even going to get into upside down and the good calling evil good and the 
even calling good evil and evil. And I, 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 I'm not even getting into that this morning. But this world is so messed up. This world is so sick that they want to turn everything around and make good people think that they're wrong. I had a years ago, many of you may not remember it, but they had a, a march. I won't even say what kind it was, but it was a march it was in Canada. And a man stood on the doors of his church and just held up a sign that just had scripture on it. The mob attacked him and put him in, and put him in the hospital. He ended up going to jail because he incited a riot. Because he stood up for what was right. This morning I'm standing up for what's right. Satan hates this. He's got a little prison that he wants to keep people in. He's got this little, as Brother Garza probably, it was, it was named correctly what he said, a little room that he wants to keep you in. He's the only one that's got the key. But my God's got a master key. And that key is covered with the blood of Jesus Christ. He's got that master key. If you're here this morning and you've not been covered with the blood of Jesus Christ, Absalom can't get to you when you're covered with the blood of Jesus Christ. But you have to be totally submitted to Jesus Christ. You have to be totally submitted to Jesus Christ this morning. We have victims in our churches throughout the land who are languishing in a house of torment because Satan, the perpetrator, has turned sin in people's minds from the evil that it is to something that is not as seemingly a horrible sin. Just, just turn it around. And, and, and most of us can think of the most vile sin that, we could, that you could think of, and that's what Satan says is good. You know, the Roman Empire fell because of that sin. It was destroyed completely. But the devil wants to turn that sin around and make it as just, of course, there's all kinds of different lifestyles out there. I'm just using an example. Just another lifestyle, whatever that may be. But this morning, God says, I got deliverance for you. Murderers, liars, thieves, effeminate, it don't matter. God's got deliverance for that in this, these altars today. One sin is just as bad as another one as far as sending you to hell goes. One sin can be forgiven just as easy as another can. But the problem is there's some sins in your mind. You allow mind to hold you captive. And you allow that to hold you captive because you've regretted to. There's time, many times in life there's things that's happened to us and, and it puts us in this jail that we can't get out of. But there are people sitting here that have committed things that, that you've been the perpetrator and you've been the one that's done wrong and you're the one that committed the sin. But my God says that my, my grace is sufficient even for you. My blood is sufficient even for you. My forgiveness is sufficient even for you. You don't have to be the innocent victim for God to be able to forgive you. You don't have to be the innocent victim for God to be able to bring you in and take you out of Absalom's house. You can also be the one that perpetrated that crime. And it's for you too. It's for me. It's for you. Oh, hallelujah, God. 
Now we have Tamar wasting away her years of usefulness. Wasting away. Useless. She could have been something great in the king. She could have went out on the parades. She could have went out. She could have rode the finest of chariots. She, she could have been out in the, the most beautiful clothes. Because if David could have got to her before Absalom did. If David, we, we see David's love. David didn't even want to lose Absalom. The king's love. And we see the love that David had. If he could have just got to Tamar before Absalom did, Tamar wouldn't have been in Absalom's house. Tamar would have been living, still living in the king's house. Before you allow Absalom to destroy you, before you allow Absalom to take you out of the king's house this morning, give the king a chance. It's not too late. It's not, he, was, he was still her dad. But she was languishing in a house that... I, I just look at... I think of the walls that was in Absalom's house. Most people decorate houses like they are. I love the way my wife decorates house. I don't know what it's called, but it's something. I don't know if she knows what it's called either, but it's something. It's so pretty, and she, you know, and she teaches my kids how to dress and, and you know, all kinds of stuff. I teach them what not to do. <laughs> no, we, you know, it's kind of hard. We had, we had, a, we love our niece. I brought my niece and brought her in, and and uh, she was a girl. She was turned into a beautiful preacher's wife, and now, and so she's a preacher's wife now, but. There's a lot of things she just didn't know when she came to our house. See, my kids grew up in our house. And there's a lot of rules that I didn't have to set forth because they knew what not to do in dad's house. Now, when you bring someone in, when brought my niece in, there's a lot of things she didn't know. So she had to be taught what to do. And we had a good relationship there. But when you come to the house of God, sometimes it just doesn't happen naturally. You're sitting there and you come to the house of God. It just doesn't happen naturally. One of the things is you're taught what to do and what not to do. But another thing that you're taught is the joy of the Lord is my strength. You're having a bad day. You just come to King's house. You just come to the house of God. And you look around and you see how they're living and you see how they're dressing. And you see how they're acting. And you go, I want what they got. I, 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 I'm a victim. I, I want what they've got. And you come to the house of God. And you just a lot of things you just learn. But when you don't learn it, then, then it just is taught to you. Ain't that beautiful? But I'm glad that I don't have to be in Absalom's house. Because Absalom got to Tamar before her father could help her, she spent years of pain and guilt. The wall, where I was going with this, is I'm sure Absalom's house had prison gray walls. That's what we called them at the plant when I worked in the plant. A lot of the plant, they paint, paint them gray because it kind of calmed people's nerves down. And when you're working 12 and 16 hours a day, working hard, it's sometimes your nerves need to be calmed down a little bit. And so I'm sure in Absalom's house, it was just dreadful. I picture Absalom's house. I picture cobwebs on the walls. 
He's just a bachelor. He, no big deal. He's a cop with gray walls. The, the floors probably wasn't swept and cleaned. So Tamar had left a beautiful house from the king. When you leave this place, if you leave this place and you go back out there to Absalom, your walls won't be clean anymore. Your carpet won't be clean anymore. The pastor that prays for you, he'll still be praying for you, but you still won't be in the king's house. Here she is, the daughter of the king, and she wasted away in obscurity. She went from the beautiful, vibrant youth to distraught victim in a moment's time. Don't ever discount the importance of a moment. In a moment's time, I believe there's victims in this place who have seen life pass them by because they've spent too long in Absalom's house. Your years of uselessness gave way to years of obscurity. Now, I'm not, I'm, I, believe there's, I believe there's people here today that there's things that's happened in your past that you regret and, and you're allowing the devil to beat you down, but you need to get rid of Satan. You need to resist Satan. You need to tell Satan, get behind me, Satan. You're not going to win anymore. You're not going, you're, you're not going to allow, I'm not going to allow you to control me anymore. When this atrocity happened to Tamar, she had all the outward signs of trauma. She put ashes on her head. She rent her garment of divers' colors. She put her hands upon her head in a sign of distress. She went on crying, but no one seemed to care. No one comforted her. In her time of deepest need, no one seemed to care. She withdrew herself. From her family, she withdrew herself from her friends. She withdrew herself, and she said, first thing she should have done is run to daddy's house. The first thing she should have done is went to the king's house. But she was distraught. She was the burden upon her. She had never felt the burden upon her that was on her like before. Believe, I believe I'm, I'm getting to a, I'm, I'm trying, to, I'm going to bring this around to some, some, some beautiful times that we have in God. But at that moment in time, Tamar was, was felt as low as she had ever felt in her entire life. She tore her garment off of her knowing that was one garment which meant the most to her and she could never put that garment back on again. Never. No, in her mind, she could but never put it back on her. But if she would have just went to daddy, daddy would have said, I'll make this exception for you. Yeah, I'll make it like, I can make it like it never happened. It was still happening in her mind. But when you come to God, God can wash these things away from you. And he can make it. He can take the sins away from you. And he can take the regrets away from you. King David could never make it like it never happened again. But I serve a God if you will allow him to. The sin and the power and the, the drudgery that's on your life. My God can take that away from you. And he can give you life abundantly. He can give you a fresh life. Oh, my king. My king. I can see her face now as her full-blooded Absalom approached her. She was expecting help, comfort, support, love, or any other form of help. We'll stop right there and say, if things in life happen to you, 
and you don't get the, the support that you think or that you do need and you feel like that you're not getting the love that you need, it's because Absalom got to you first. Absalom got to you first. If you, need, you do need that love and you need knowing that we are a church family, you need to push Absalom aside and say, Satan, I'm resisting you. I'm not letting Absalom have me. I'm not letting Absalom put me in this prison. I'm going to the king because I, oh, Brother Garza, I'm submitted to God. I'm submitted to this life. I'm submitted to this word. I'm submitted to my church family. And I'm not going to allow Satan to torment me. I'm not going to allow Satan to put me in his prison. I'm breaking free this morning. When she got us, what she got was a sentence to a prison cell, which she did not deserve. First, Amnon put her away after the hurt. You understand that? Amnon put her away after the hurt. Then Absalom put her away after he turned his back on her. Oh, poor young lady. First, Amnon, her half-brother, but he was her brother. And then Absalom, her full brother. I hope I've spent a, an adequate time and energy trying to detail the pain she must have been going through. If I didn't, if there was more, I could say I, my, my apologies for not covering it thorough enough. Because I know people are sitting here. If it's just one, that's enough. If it's just one, I'm still reaching for you. But I don't believe with a crowd as large as this, there's just one. I'm not taking the place of your pastor. My goodness, I'm not doing that this morning. But I'm just trying to help this morning. She, that dread, when she walked out, it don't matter. It didn't matter if the sun was shining. It was dark in the sky. It don't matter if it was a spring day. It was the middle of winter for her. No matter at what time, it, it just everything just collapsed. Everything went from perfect. Here she was, probably whistling, and I know guys whistle, maybe girls, so I don't know. I don't know. My grandma said girls shouldn't whistle, but but if you whistle, more power to you. Whistling woman and a crowing hen, crowing hen. So my grandma used to say, but but anyway, I like whistling, so if y'all want to whistle, whistle. But here she was, probably. Singing a tune. That girl sing beautifully. So she is singing a tune. Yeah, I get to go help. I, my, you know, my brother wants me to, wants me to, you know, he needs, he's sick and he's hungry and I'm just going to do what, and just all happiness. The world at her fingertips because she was the king's daughter, you know. The world at her fingertips. And then it was like a whirlwind destroyed. Destroyed. Destroyed and taken away from her. But then Absalom, I believe Absalom, I can't say it was worse. What could possibly be worse? But it was cemented. Maybe, that, maybe that's my, what would make it worse. Cemented. That's who I am. She left not eminence thinking that's who I am. Because she knew the atrocity he had done. But when Absalom sent her to the house, she knew that's who she was. 
That's that's who I am. I'll never be a king's, I'll never be in the king's house again. I'll never do that again. Those things I'll never have. But I serve a God that wants to take. Maybe some of you have had the whole, maybe there's some people that's never even experienced being in your mind free. Maybe there's somebody here that's never experienced the freedom of the gift of the Holy Ghost in this place. Maybe someone has never experienced the deliverance that God's got for you. Maybe there's someone who's never experienced that in this place. But I'm here to tell you this morning, if you're here and you've not experienced the freedom of the king saying, no, you don't belong in Absalom's house. You belong in my house. You don't belong in Absalom's house. Yet this story fits the lives of millions of people who's been devastated by a moment in time which they could never get back. But see, my God will give you, turn your mourning into laughter. He'll give you beauty for your ashes. He'll give you something beautiful for, for the life that you went through. And I would give anything for this story to have never happened inside our ark for any period, much less inside of our ark of safety. But the story mir- mirrors millions, millions, many untold lives of church-going men, women, and children. Children of the king, but dwellers in the house of Absalom. But God wants to open the doors of the prison. Anything that happened to you in the past was Amnon. Anything that happened to you in the past was Amnon. But Absalom did the most long-term damage. Anything that happened to you, we can blame it on Amnon. But Absalom, our enemy, the one that wants to come in to destroy you, he takes great pleasure in great... Amnon cast her out, but Absalom kept her in the prison. Amnon pushed her out, but Absalom kept church the things that events, events, it kicked you out of what you used to be. Instances in time kicked you out of what you used to be. But Absalom, I'll name, name him, rename him Satan, has kept you in a life of prison. Absalom has kept you in prison. There are steps you can take with God's help that will assure you of permanent victory. Number one is cut off all contact with Absalom. This is in my notes, Brother Garza. He talked about your families. Loving your families, but don't let them control you. Cut off all contact with Absalom. Don't let him tell you that you're still his prisoner. You don't live like that anymore. Surround yourself with the family of God and be faithful to the house of God. Every time the door is open. I don't need one service on Sundays. Y'all do two, right? Okay. I don't need one service on Sundays. I need two. And three. And four. Today is the day of age we need more church than ever before. You need more church than you've ever need before. Because Absalom's waiting on you. Absalom's waiting on you. He wants to take you. Miss that, you miss the house of God. You're going to Absalom's house. Yeah. 
Grow your spiritual life, your walk with God through your prayer life. Bible reading, fasting, and obedience to the preached messages in your church. You have to trust God that he will make you more than a conqueror. But the deliverance, I have Brother Jackson's church, my my pastor, um, Elder Tommy Jackson, Bishop, his son pastors it now. They had this couple, they started coming to the church, and they were they were Catholic. Um, they were Catholic, and and they got the Holy Ghost. They, they, they got the Holy Ghost, and they started living for God. But there was always things that, that they was ingrained in them as a child that they had to fight against that. They, there were so many different things in their life. Don't even get, in, don't even get all of it. So many things that they had to fight it because it was ingrained in them. They come to God, they got the freedom, but there was things that was habits and things was just ingrained in them. Yeah, you, you need to make sure that God opens that prison door for you. And those things of your life, your past life that's ingrained in you, you get that out. You get that out through the prayer. He'll make you more than a conqueror. Talk to your pastor. Allow him to counsel you. You have to be honest with yourself and your pastor. You have to put your finger in the face of Satan and not let him talk you back into your mental prison. This morning, I, I see a bunch of prison doors open this morning. I, I see some doors open that's, that maybe that you've not allowed, Satan's not allowed it to be open. But for you, for this point in time, at this moment in time, God has went with his blood bought, that key that's, that is covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. And he has inserted the key into that prison that, that, you, that you've had in your mind. And that prison of the, the regret and the prison of shame and the regret that, that's happened in your life. And he has turned that key and he's opened that door. And this morning that door is wide open. There's no more bars on the windows. There's no more locks on the doors. My God is standing coming to me all that labor and heavy laden. I will give you rest. And God wants to bring you out of that this morning. I've seen saints live for God, live for him many years, but still not get victory over their pains. And that's not God's will. Yet in one service, they allow God to free them from Absalom's house. One service. Joel chapter 2, verses 25 through 27. And I will restore to you the years the locust hath eaten, the cankerworm and the caterpillar and the pomeworm, my great army which I sent among you. And ye shall eat in plenty. Not in Absalom's house. You don't have to eat in Absalom's house. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord. We know that name this morning. The name of the Lord your God that hath dealt wondrously with you. And my people. And my people. Shall never be ashamed. Shame not going to drive you back there. Oh, yeah. And praise the number that again, the name of the Lord your God that hath dealt wondrously with you, and my people shall never be ashamed. And ye shall know that I am in the midst of Israel, and that I am the Lord your God, and none else. And my people, one more time, shall never be ashamed. It's so important when God repeats a phrase in his word. When a phrase is repeated, it's so very important. Zechariah chapter 10 and verse 6. And I will strengthen the house of Judah and save the house of Joseph. 
and I will bring them again to place them, for I have mercy upon them. And they shall be as though I had not cast them off. I am the Lord their God and will hear them. Would the music come, please? Whether you're a man or a woman, young man, young child in this place, and you found yourself unfruitful in the land of plenty, tonight is the night God has ordained for someone this morning to gain that freedom. Let's all stand, please. I know I preached this morning to a very established, victorious church. But in the midst of the victories, if you find yourself in Absalom's house, in the midst of victories, the door is open this morning. victory out here.
Oh, let's seek the Lord here.